Welcome to Black Girl News, the podcast, a podcast that shares the stories of black women to the masses. And now your host, Leah Gordon. He basically didn't even want to be involved in the girl's case. He didn't even want my mom looking for them. Devil found out why. We've been trying to find out for the longest. Why didn't he want to be involved? These are your daughters. Why wouldn't you want to look for them? We just couldn't understand it. He never wanted to look for him. He even told my older sister, um, which she's passed away now, but he told her, my sister Asiander, that if they came to her house and asked her about him, tell the police that he was dead. She's 62 now when Mary Sturgis has not seen or hugged her daughters in 27 years. All she has are memories now of Jeanette and Danette Millbrook. The fraternal twins have not been seen since Sunday, March 18, 1990. On March 18, 1990, twin sisters Danette and Jeanette Millbrook vanished without a trace from their hometown. They were only 15 years old at the time. The sisters had left their home that day to visit their godfather but didn't return. To this day, nobody knows exactly what happened to Danette and Jeanette, but now there have been strong allegations linking their own father to this mystery. Danette and Jeanette Millbrook are fraternal twins from Augusta, Georgia. The twin sisters were enrolled as students at Lucy Laney High School. The girls were known to be good teens and were not troublemakers. The twins did not have a history of misbehavior outside of a single incident that occurred as a result of one of the twins being bullied at a bus stop. Other than that, it was said the girls were very quiet, they loved to be around family, and the two were inseparable. The twins' mother name is Mary. She is said to be a hardworking woman whose focus was on her career, goals, and children. In total, Danette and Jeanette had eight siblings. They were a part of a large family. John Millbrook was married to the twins' mother, but he had very little to do with the twins' upbringing. Reports described him as a violent and cruel man whom their mother eventually split up with. On March 18, 1990, Danette and Jeanette walked to their local church on Laney Walker Boulevard. They picked up some food at Church's Chicken, and when they got home, Jeanette told her mother a white van had been following them. It started out a normal day it was on a Sunday when my sister and them went missing. They was 15 years old. They were going to Lucy Lane High School here in Augusta, Georgia. The church we was attending was called Christ Presbyterian Church. Um, that's the church we grew up in. Anyway, the pastor of the church, that day when church let out, gave my mom some money to feed us for that day. No, my mom wasn't working. My mom had seven kids at the time. My sister and them disappeared. Um, anyway, that's neither here nor there how many kids she had. My sister and them went missing that day, later on that day, because when church let out, we made it home. My mom sent them to church's chicken to get food for us that day. Once they went to churches, got the food, they came back home. Upon them coming home, 
my sister Jeanette tells my mom that it was somebody in a white van following them. Of course, my mom went to the door to look out to see had she seen anything, but she didn't see a white van. Anyway, we didn't think nothing else of it. So, we proceeded to eat our lunch. While we was eating lunch, we was talking about going to school. And it went from there. My mom told him to call my goddad, ask him could he get him money to um, go back and forth to school for that week. After receiving $20 in bus fare and a little extra for snacks, the teens went off to several family members' home, asking them to accompany them because it was getting very dark. Anyway, we found out that they had went by my cousin's house. Her name is Juanita Bryant. When they went by her house to see if she could walk home with them. She couldn't walk home with them. So, I guess, you know, my older sister was the next person in line because she stayed like two minutes, maybe two or three minutes, maybe from where Juanita stayed at. Anyway, um, they went by her house, asked her to walk home with them, but she declined because she just had had her son. And I guess, you know, she wasn't up to it walking with them or whatever, because it is, you know, it's a good little distance from where we live there. Anyway, once my mom started calling around to find out, did anybody see them? My sister was one of the people that did see them that day. And she told my mom that they left her house walking like they was going towards the pumping shop. Both sisters maintained the same exact story. And in a 2019 documentary featured on Oxygen, the older sister gave more detail. How old were you when this thing happened? About 19 years old. Okay, I remember that night. I mean, I was inside my room, and they came through it. My mom had let them in, and mm -hmm. they came up, like, oh, you want, you want to come to our house with us? I said, Mom, can I go to Jenna and Jenna in my house? And my mom said, no, Mom said, you go see them tomorrow. So I cried myself to sleep. I cried. I begged. I cried. My mom wouldn't let me go. After their disappearance, family members considered it was unusual for the twins to make multiple requests. Was that white van following them that whole day? Next, they continued on to a local gas station where they bought chips, candy, and soda with their godfather's money. The clerk, Gloria, remembered the twins to this day. She said she didn't recall anything out of the ordinary, but after their stop at the gas station, the twins completely vanished. Gloria was the last person to see the twins alive, but she doesn't know where exactly they went. Yes, ma'am. You were working that day. Can you tell us what you remember? They come in together. They always came in together. Okay. This just was a normal day to me. I mean, they just come in and purchase what they need, and they just, you know, they talk for a minute, and they just leave. Did they seem, Miss Gloria, as if they were off that day, or they seemed like they weren't themselves in any way, or were they just acting their normal selves that day? Yeah, they acted their normal selves. When, mm -hmm. when you finished serving them and they purchased their items did they walk immediately out of the store yes as, as i remember because that's on a sunday so i'm sure i had another customer you know what i'm saying but yeah. i focused on the inside of the store most of the time were there people around that you may have been concerned about 
some shady characters, maybe in the store or out of the store? It's been so long ago. Oh, Let me ask you this. Did you ever recall hearing stories of some attacks taking place? Do you remember hearing stories like that? Well, all that, you know, okay, now those, okay, wrong in that area. I'm not gonna say it was around the area of the store, but like on the side of the store, it's like on a gate, like where the church came downstairs. Yeah. It's a little alley that people can walk through. Did okay. stuff happen in that alley? Now, I have never walked down that alley. I just know people walk back there. Did you hear about and bad I, things happening? People, like it's a possibility that it could have been. Okay. You know what I'm saying? But I, I miss Dr. Person. I I see. Although the walk was a short distance from their home, their sister told Dateline that when the twins didn't arrive home that night, their mother got nervous and began calling around to see if anyone had seen them. The mother was so worried and called the police for help, but the police told the family they had to wait 24 hours before making a report. Little is known about the initial investigation, as the original police file is reportedly lost. For years, they didn't get any information about the case until April, six days after the twins' birthday. Jim Shipp, the investigator on this case, came out to the family's home to tell them the case had been closed. Their birthday was April the 2nd. Um, I think it was like six days after my sister Nell's 17th birthday, the investigator came out to my mom. My mom was thinking that he was coming to let her know, you know, that they had been found or whatever the case may be. But instead of him coming out to do that, he came to let my mom know that they was closing my sister Nell's investigation. Because he told my mom that they had turned 17 years old and that if he did find them, he couldn't make them come back home because they were 17, which is crazy. The investigator said that he saw that the principal of the school says he seen my sister now on the corner of Lane Walker Boulevard in 12th Street. And when he saw them, he called out to them and they waved at him and took off running. Anyway, we don't know if that's true or not because we never did get to talk to the, the principal ourselves because he passed away. His name was Mr. Joe Scott. God bless his soul. They closed my sister Nim case out. So for 20 something years. 23 years to be exact, my sister Nim case went cold. This eventually led to the sisters being wiped off the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children website. From the beginning, Jim Ship dubbed them as runaways, and it was confirmed that he closed the case based off hearsay. After lies and no help, 
the family still didn't give up hope. On June 5th, 2013, Richmond County Sheriff Richard Roundtree, who just had been elected in 2012, announced that he will reopen the case with a new set of eyes. Do you think that in 1990 there was a form of institutional racism that, that permeated this city to the point where mistakes could be made? Not overt, but mm -hmm. just kind of in the DNA of the city? Do I think there was institutional racism back in 1990? Absolutely. Do I think it exists today? Yeah, still do at some point, because some of those same individuals are still living and thriving in this city today. And that is, and some of those individuals, like I told you, are still holding on to some of those ideas. I mean, that is just the reality of, remember, we are, and I hate to be a stereotype, but we are in the South. And some of those traditions and some of those thought processes as mundane and as archaic as you you want to believe they are, they still exist because those people still exist. Those people still live. They still carry on that. Um, like I told you in 2012, my election was highly contentious. And it was largely based on the racial makeup of this city. I mean, that's just the reality of it. So when I took office and I was able to, to, to win the general election with a little over 60% of the vote, my goal for my next re-election was to, to get that other group that, I guess they didn't want to give you a chance just based on the surface of the, the, of the race. And we were able to go over, you know, 73% the next time because I made a conscious effort to cross over those lines, to go into those areas where normally I wouldn't feel as welcome as I would in certain areas. But I made a conscious effort to do that. And that's what we have to do as a city. So to be honest, for us to grow as a city, we have to understand where we are. And we can't hide from it. We have to do better. The good thing about it is, I'm starting to see a change. Should have started a long time ago? Absolutely. But I'm starting to see it, and that's what gives me hope. That's what keeps me doing it every day. That's what keeps me coming to work. After 2013, investigators started looking into potential suspects and DNA. Joseph Patrick Washington was active in the girls' neighborhood, and some believe he may have been involved in the girls' disappearance. Washington lived on Hell Street. When he went to work, he would often drive on Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, where the pumping shop is located. He was a stocky, short man who stood only 5 foot 4 inches. However, Washington was actively attacking women in the early 1990s. Around the same time the twins went missing, he went on to attack five women. He would tell his victims, according to the surviving ones, that he contracted HIV from an ex-girlfriend, and he did these things as a way to seek vengeance. He was also set to stand trial for two murders in 1991, but Washington never made it to trial because he died in 1999, and no further information was given about his connection to the twins since then.
According to a former homicide detective, when they dug around, they came across an inmate in Georgia named Ernest. Ernest's connection to John Milbrook is very telling. John actually spent time in prison for helping dispose of a body in 1996 after the victim was murdered by Ernest. The twin's father was sentenced to four years in prison for concealing a death but it's unclear how much time he actually served. While it was always reported that the twins vanished from the convenience store, according to him, the girls were picked up and brought to their father's home. According to Ernest, who was about 12 at that time, he saw the twins at the father's house where a drug party was taking place. He alleges that the twins were forced to smoke and drink following one of the twins to be assaulted. According to Ernest, the other twin came to her rescue but was punched by one of the men. Ernest said it was around eight to nine men who were present that day. He even recalled the names of Little Cheese and Udi Boy as being present at the scene. He claims Little Cheese assaulted one of the twins. Ernest also recalled Udi Boy owning a white van. Although this seemed like a break in the case, Ernest had told his daughter, April, that investigators had told him to tell them that he made it all up. Investigators also told the producers of Oxygen's The Disappearance of the Millbrook Twins that while some details of his story were corroborated, they did not find his account of what had happened to the girls to be credible. John, the girl's father, is now in a nursing home with dementia. The Millbrook family and police say... They can't get any clear answers from him. He basically didn't even want to be involved in the girl's case. He didn't even want my mom looking for them. They were found out why. We've been trying to find out for the longest. Why didn't he want to be involved? These are your daughters. Why wouldn't you want to look for them? We just couldn't understand it. He never wanted to look for them. He even told my older sister, um, which she's passed away now, but... He told her, my sister Asiander, that if they came to her house and asked her about him, tell the police that he was dead. Do you think he knows something? It seemed like it to me. I mean, it really do. I, I done had so many mixed emotions over the years about what's going on, but I do know if that had been my kid's father, I knew I would've want him to be involved in helping look for his kids. John didn't want to have anything to do with it. He didn't want to give a DNA sample, none of that. It just doesn't make any sense to me unless he was trying to conceal something and then... Yeah, at... that's what it seemed like to me, like he was trying to conceal something. And then I didn't find out until recently, my mom told me that he was very violent to where he couldn't stand for people to come to the house if somebody would come to the house to see his sister or something, he would like shoot at them through the door. As of 2023, no one has been charged with any crimes associated with the twin sisters. And at this time, there are no further details in this case, but a $50,000 reward is up for any information. Well, as y'all can see, I am getting ready for work. I just want to take the time out to say today is the day, 29 years ago, that my sister Jeanette and Danette Milbrook went missing. Still, we have no answers. 
but I think we're getting a little closer to finding out what happened to them. Um, I really don't have too much to say, but I'm hoping that this message get out to everyone who has someone missing. Never give up. Always keep hope. And just keep God in your life and keep faith. One day it will reveal what happened. I'm not sure what happened to my sister Nim. I don't know. I wish I did. I'm glad I never gave up because all the stuff that we have inquired within the last year or two um, would have never been happening if I hadn't kept it alive. So, if y'all could please take out your time to share this video, I would appreciate it. Their names are Danette and Janet Mirbrook. We now have a $10,000 reward out for any information that anyone could give on their disappearance because two people don't just walk off the face of the earth and nobody never hear anything from them. And I want to tell them I love them. My mom loves them. The family loves them. And we just want them home safe. Thank y'all for listening. Keep sharing. And if Jeanette and Danette, if y'all are out there somewhere, reach out to someone if you can. If you can't, then we're coming. That I can say. We are coming.